Hello and welcome to another episode of the Community Fabric podcast, where we bring the networking community to the table to talk about things that matter to them most in their day to day. I'm Darren Falwell, your host for today's conversation, and I wanted to introduce a fellow networking veteran, I'm sure he won't mind me calling him that, um, and a real thought leader in the space, <laughs> advising CXOs and network engineers alike. And he's taught here to talk about his thoughts on the realities of network operations. Now, Stephen, we've been kicking around in this networking space for a few years. Do you want to give us and the people who are listening a sense of your background? Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for the invite, Darren. So Stephen Hampton, um, uh, I've been in the networking space for about 20 years uh, uh, as a network architect. Um, uh, spent a lot of time early in that sort of certifying. So CCIE for about 15 years now. Um, uh, but I've made my way around uh, various different industries, including sort of um, uh, finance, insurance, higher education, retail, et cetera. So I've done the whole lot, spent some time as a CTO with a reseller um, and uh, now have uh, worked with a uh, network professional services business where we focus on design, implementation, support and see all sorts of problems um, uh, and challenges from our customers. I was just going to say, so, so mm. you're working obviously with people um every day looking mm -hmm. at their their operations their you know what it is that's important to them in the networking space so what are the the, the biggest kind of challenges that you're seeing people come to you with at the moment so I guess there's a number and and you know we'll do everything from consultancy down to sort of coal face implementation and mm. um, for the um for the coal face implementation it's really dealing with organic growth of their networks over the right. years um so uh, in a lot of cases we've got um uh legacy designs end of life kit and a willingness to move to um, something a little bit more modern such as SDN. Um, uh, at the other end of the scale you've got sort of organizations who are looking to transform in a lot of cases it's um, navigating their way through a lot of vendor speed to try and identify uh, <laughs> what is the actual um, uh, thing they want to achieve and, and, and the, the right tool to do that. Um, there's a couple of other um, maybe more unique things as well. Is obviously it's a it's an ever changing um, uh, market uh, from a security point of view. There's right. an ever changing threat landscape. Um, uh, one of the big changes that we are kind of seeing as well is um, many organisations. When I started working in wide area networks, it would be about um, connecting together their offices, you know, for file yeah. shares and sort of local exchange. Um, these days, most of their applications are either SaaS or internet or in the cloud or in their data center. So the, the wide area network isn't really a wide area network anymore. It's just a, um, it, it's just the most elegant way of of trying to connect to your resources in 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 the cloud, be it private or public. I was going to say wherever wherever they mm. are, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so and so. Well, we just just break that one down a little mm. bit more. Actually, I'm in, always interested because obviously, mm. yeah, it's similarly that whole thing when when um, I was working in as a network engineer, it mm. was all about getting to uh, an MPLS network together, being able to connect to that and connect all my sites to it and do all the all the stuff. I guess we need a bit more flexibility now, right? It's more of a kind of a hybrid model, I suppose, as to how we reach the resources we're looking for. Um, mm. What are you seeing there? Yeah, well, I, I think there's um, 
uh, there's a couple of things. Just, just you mentioned MPLS, and you know it's a technology that I've, I've done a lot of um, a lot of work with. But mm. again, at the time, you know there was a need for um, private, reliable, um, secure yeah. links, and um, reliability of the internet has increased dramatically since then. Um, so we're seeing a lot of organisations, not necessarily SDN, um, sorry SD WAN. I think a lot of people saw initially as being a, an MPLS killer, and I'm not quite. <laughs> sure it's 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 really like that but what there definitely yeah. is is um is is a keenness to just rely on internet um right. because you, you can obviously buy greater bandwidth um for um for for equivalent costs and right. then maybe run um uh, internet over the top of that and a lot of that's about some simplicity as well because um you know as organizations sort of move offices or um sort of downsize sort of post covid then internet is more um, is is a little bit more flexible, right. uh, and, and and actually and like I said, there's there's less devices um, or less services run on site, uh, and we're even sort of speaking to a number of different customers who are considering turning their their office space or their enterprise campus into just purely um, uh, Wi-Fi hubs, so they have right. um, zero trust network access tools um, that give the same user experience uh, for um, for individuals who are working um, at home remotely or in the office. So rather than provide that local LAN, you just go in, you connect to Wi-Fi and you take internet. Right. So, so there's no campus effectively anymore. It's just a question of giving people effectively remote access from a location that just happens to be the yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, and and I mean to to be honest, um, you know, this is a, a sample set of, of of customers that we see. Of there course, there's still kind of many cases where um where where, where that's not applicable or no. not possible, particularly when you, when you get into you know, industry and manufacturing and utilities and transport and things like that. You still need that physical connectivity. Um, yeah. but um, you know, I've spoken to organisations who are um, one organisation who's divesting from a parent company. And wanted to do everything from scratch. Everything was in the cloud, um, right. you know. So the need for anything like MPLS is um, uh, it, it was just purely internet set TNA and go from sure, there. Sure, sure. Uh, and I, I guess this is a brownfield, a brownfield greenfield argument to a point as well here, isn't it? I mean, we've put together enough environments over the years to have built up a level of, I don't know, technical debt, I suppose. In and and what you're you're talking about here is an opportunity where people are taking the opportunity to sweep away that tech debt, I suppose, and, and start again almost. Uh, no, absolutely. Okay. I, and I guess we've been maybe lucky enough to be involved in some projects where we've had, um, uh, where it's either it's it's either greenfield or it's parallel transformation where we're kind of building right. on something and new and moving to that. But yes, of course, if you're um, you know, if you're running a live environment and trying to fix the plane while it's in the air, then that's a little bit more <laughs> difficult. However, what I would say is I am a big sort of fan of um, identifying your appropriate target architecture um, state um, and then trying to plot a way to it. I don't like working from a situation where you compromise the final solution because getting there is difficult because that's that's where you end up somewhere in the middle where it doesn't quite fulfill the requirements with a lot of technical debt and a lot of um so it, it's just one of those design principles i like to stick to that this is this is ultimately where we want to be now let's try and figure out how to get there and and that might be a, a longer journey for some because it's complicated but yeah. you know i haven't come across a situation yet where it hasn't been possible 
no it's a, it's a good it's a good point and i think something that that you learn over time i guess when you're when you're building networks when you're when you're going through this 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 pragmatism uh, approach of, of saying well look yes you know i'm not going to be able to get there right now but i can set a direction that's where i want to be and let's let's take the steps to get there whether they're the steps that the vendor expects us to take or not i mean there's, there's also that that aspect of the pragmatism as well right uh, well, yeah, so th th this is, uh, <laughs> I think I kind of maybe touched on this right at the beginning around navigating your way around yeah. the sort of the the, the, ven the vendor marketing. We're lucky enough to work in a position where we don't have to be um, vendor specific. We can be yeah. quite agnostic. And um, I, I think it's it's important not to just go where the vendor wants you to go because the vendor wants you to go there. Um, you know, the, the, we, we have customers who've been sort of um, stunned by uh, not just end of life, but end of product. Um, or sort of, um, you know, heading down a, a, a development cul-de-sac um, yeah. um, and, and investing in that, and that, that can be that can be quite difficult for customers. So I think it it is important to really, uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time quizzing vendors on where they're going with a particular technology before investing in in a in a longer-term strategy on it. Um, and so yeah, I think that that's something that's quite important. Which is again, that feels like a, an approach that's born out of uh, experience, right? Because we've seen it happen often, oftentimes uh, before, yeah. right? Where pro products just cease rather, <laughs> uh, rather, rather abruptly sometimes. But. No, no, in, indeed. And look, I mean, that's just the the industry we're working because yeah, you course. can't, you know, v v vendors can't. Um, if if they have a product line that isn't that isn't doing well, then they have to make a they have to make a difficult decision on that. And um, but I, I think it's just a kind of case of um, you know customers doing their their, their, their diligence on it and making yeah. sure that they ask the right questions. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I I, so, I mean we're talking about those those challenges and we're talking about obviously the changing face mm -hmm. of, of of networks and, and we've got a whole bunch of categories of things that that are. You know, the, the vendors are trying to sell to us at the moment, or people are trying to help guide us in a particular direction. We're seeing more SDN. You've touched on that already. We're seeing the cloud networking. We're seeing more automation. Are, are these things that are playing a big part in, in your conversations at the moment? Yeah, so I, I think you know, taking those in the order of um, probably SDN, cloud networking, automation. Mm. Um, for SDN, um, I, I think there's been a lot of interest in that for a number of years. Yeah. Um, there's maybe been a little bit of skepticism, but I've always seen a lot of value in it. I, I mean, most of the SDN solutions that we've looked at have been um, in data center or WAN. And I think right. in both cases, you, you think all the obvious things, the centralized controller programmability, but for me, in the data center, it was about having that layer two, layer three overlay and across yeah. multiple data centers. As a network engineer, there's so many problems that solves. It takes away spanning tree. Um, it allows you to have a single layer two domain, layer three domain, policy domain, and, and that's across multiple vendors without getting specific on it. I think those yeah. things are... are, are I think I think that's always been the case, though, in the in the mm. data centers, there were always those additional challenges that we were set as network engineers by the infrastructure folks who said, look, yeah. in order for me to deliver infrastructures and applications the way I know how I need this capability. And that would be well, I mean, the classic was always the stretch layer mm. two, right, Dude. between two locations and those kinds of things. 
the, the yeah the, the stretch layer two is is absolutely the classic problem back back yeah. in the back in the day it used to be you know stretch layer two was bad for networks but good for infrastructure um and and ultimately i mean we, we have to realize that networking is a it's a foundational technology it doesn't actually give anything in itself it just acts as the foundation for other things so you can't yeah. really expect infrastructure um, or the i guess the compute and storage guys to to accept that because the application that sits on top of that needs needs those so we, we had to find a way around it and just be very careful with our spanning tree so you know the idea of um you know uh i guess underlays um and then overlays on top of those i, I think solved uh, a lot of problems and um, so so we and um, you know i've been implementing sdn solutions in the data center for maybe about sort of seven or eight years now um more recently than um uh, sd-wan solutions for the last sure. kind of three or four and, and i think again you've got the programmability you've got the centralized controller but the real big thing for me um was uh, transport independence sure. um the idea that you know we, we can have mpls over here because these sites really need that performance and we can have internet everywhere else and we can just add it all in and we don't have to do anything crazy with policy-based routing um you know that that was um uh, I, I think that those those, those were sort of big items yeah, I think things like uh, as well for me, it was always um, being able to have that that continuous sort of segment segmentation of a network, regardless mm. of of um, whatever transport. You know, you can see mm. it, that the solution there. You know, effectively mm. that that multi-site VPN type approach just just made complete sense to me. All of a sudden, you've you've got this this ability to to get that segmentation because you're keeping it separate from from other other segments but also uh commonality regardless of which access you're using i think there's a there's a whole bunch of good use cases there right mm, yeah no absolutely um so and and i guess the other thing there is is things like analytics as well i think i, I think that's that's useful in both Great cases point. but 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 the certainly the the network functions across sd-wan and data center were the were, were definitely the big things yeah no that's that's uh, mm. that's a good point so I guess as well, I mean, I don't know how you how much you're seeing of this. So do you find SD-WAN is helping the problem of cloud connectivity as well, or are you using other other ways of, of managing oh, that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, because, like I mentioned earlier, to me, the, the WAN isn't really the WAN anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's um, the 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 SD-WAN is your means of connecting to where your resources are. Um, private data center, SaaS, public, and um, cloud, uh, etc. So, um, and and I think a lot of that innovation is now built into SD WAN, um, and you see, um, you know, we're starting to see architectures for you know peering across different regions and yeah. sort of cloud providers. So it's all about accelerating that. But then I think kind of cloud networking in itself. Is is then also becoming um, its its own little area, um, or not little really, actually, actually quite considerable area. Yeah, I think I think I know it's a challenge that we see regularly mm. is is um, networking folk really having to to grapple with I suppose the the differences and the and the the, the challenges of 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 the different cloud providers and the and their networking capabilities, and be able to make sense of them all in 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 one way so that they're able to to understand it because it's it can be tricky right I I know I've done plenty of study of the different cloud uh, environments and they're all they're all different, different and nuanced and whatever yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think that there's 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 a couple of challenges that our, our customers sort of look at. One is getting to cloud in the first place. So yeah. you know, so you can uh, obviously you've got um, internet connectivity, or you can take the direct connect express route, um, uh, etc. Or then you've also got middle mile providers um, who will give you one connection, and then you take connections into each of them. So that's the first one to I guess wrap your head around and think about yeah. how you're going to get there. And usually as well you're going to need presence in a data center to do that. Um, so 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 that's a that that's a challenge. Then once you get inside the cloud environment again, um, you've got different architectures um, across the different cloud providers for how you do it. Um, you're looking at you know, one of the the networking vendors sort of um, approved designs on this. They talk a lot about say transit VPCs and VNets that you use as ways of hooking them together. And then you've obviously got routing constructs within the different cloud providers yourself as well as all of the networking vendors giving you virtual machines that you can drop in there. So there's so many different options and things to look at. And then there's a lot of restrictions around performance as well. Things like um, you know the support for support for NAS, support for a number of different routes. Um, you know, so th th there's 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 many things in there to um, to think of, but it's a fascinating area. Yeah, it's, it's uh, when you just walk through all of those those things, and I'm there thinking, yeah, things aren't getting any simpler, are they? I mean, it's no. this is automation was always so you know supposed to be this big sort of simplification of of network operations. Well, well, even before we get to the automation part, and, and maybe it actually leads into it, one of, one of the other challenges is where you've got your developers like AWS and they like Azure because everything's API based yeah, yeah. and that's what they're used to. Um, you know, but um, and this comes back to the organic environments that I mentioned previously. So there's maybe a tendency there to have a go at your uh, at your transit gateway or whatever it is, because um, uh, and and then you don't have a sort of a network view on 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 how that that's yeah, implemented. Yeah. So uh, I think rever reversing um, reversing some of that out. But yeah, um, uh, I guess that kind of brings us on to um, on onto automation. And and even aside from cloud, there's um, uh, I think that there's a lot going on in that space as well. I think for a lot of the people that we work directly with, it's not the reality at the moment um, because we tend to work with organizations who've had organic growth. So they've got a very heterogeneous in, um, environment. Yeah. Um, they don't have standardized configuration. They don't have standardized designs. Um, if they had it all nice and simple, then they probably wouldn't <laughs> need to engage with us in the first place. Um, so. I think you really struggle to 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 do network automation in that kind of environment where we've kind of seen it um we've seen it go really well um uh and people are getting a lot out of it is um either larger organizations who can afford to do that yeah. standardization or service providers um uh who, who um and particularly some of the the the, the newer ones um uh who standardized um, products, homogeneous vendors um, can do everything the same way every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's been valuable for them. I think, I mean, we find, again, uh, you know, mm. having those conversations that people tend to to look very carefully at how they scope their automation ambitions and say, mm. well, look, you know, I, I just want to focus on one part of the network or I just want to focus on on one particular technology and 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 zoom in on that. Um, I guess ultimately, you know, at some stage we, we're going to need to consider what that looks like in the bigger picture. But I suppose as the shape of networks changes, 
you've already mentioned, for example, you know, perhaps not having a, a private WAN environment anymore. And as the maybe the dependency on SDN, you've got a controller which is now API driven. So you've you've got more more opportunity. Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of things. I guess it depends on how you define automation. Is yeah. making a couple of API calls to get some analytics information is that really automation, um, or is automation where you know you do all of your 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 initial deployment sort of um, you know, um, um, straight and and actually sort of setting your organization up for autom automation is difficult as well. You need the people with the right skills, you need the processes, um, you know, you need the development pipelines. Um, but then you raise a sort of a very good point because um, if you're working in a cloud environment or an SDN environment, then you yeah. already have a GUI um, that's doing a lot of the underlying configuration programming for you. So maybe you don't you don't need that um, so much. But but then it becomes a, a story of orchestration, right? Rather than than automation, and you're you're leaving the automation to the to the controller. But what you're having to do is build the workflow. Which, hang on a minute, that sounds pretty much like building idle processes and putting putting that stuff together. We've been there before. Um, yeah, um, well, I, I think you still have obviously the sort of the technology piece to it. So I was in, involved in the build of a sort of a public cloud infrastructure service a couple of years ago, and a lot of work had to go into. Um, we we had we, all the underlying technology was was SDN or a, API based, and that was a sort of a deliberate choice so that we could actually do that automation. But but then creating a flow to do anything sort of useful for a, for a customer was you, you've got a, an abstraction layer, you've got a sort of a layer that keeps needs to keep all this information, then you need um, sort of scripts and flows for not only building, but for also tearing it down afterwards. So there's kind of so many things in there that are that are difficult. And I think a lot of organizations are looking kind of thinking to themselves, well, um, you know, what am I going to get from this? Yeah. Am I going to, if I'm going to put a huge amount of work into developing this, um, am I going to get a return on investment? You know, for maybe for a, um, for an average enterprise um, that isn't going to change so much, then you know maybe um, that network automation is is isn't going to give you a, um, a return. And and then of course, like you mentioned, you've got all the idle stuff on top of it because now if you're automating a piece of configuration. And um, how do you know that that's got the appropriate control around it and whether you want to just hit a button and let that loose on your network? Um, and that takes, uh, you know, we've definitely seen that go wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, 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 we've, we've had sort of a number of instances of that. But, you know, at the same time, anything we can do to lessen the influence of vital is welcome. <laughs> well, this is the <laughs> thing, right? It's, um, you know, it, it, it makes me smile when we talk about the likes of, of net devops and, and these ideas because we've spent so long building these these big rock solid change processes and all the rest of it to then dismantle that to, to take a, a different approach is uh, strikes me as as an incredibly difficult thing organizationally never mind the technology the, the mm -hmm. technology is probably the easy bit in that sense and, and it certainly in many ways is easier on us to to, to take that oh, kind of a approach, I, right? I, 
so um, you know, and and this is direct experiences. We, we we've worked on projects which, just to keep the numbers nice and simple, might be a a ten day project with mm. you know two days worth of actual engineering work and eight days worth of um worth of admin, um you know to raise the appropriate to create the appropriate schedule of events and um attend all of the change meetings, get the change approved, um and um yeah. But but again, I mean, this is this is the other part to it. I mean, I one of the things I always make made sure when I was architecting uh, networks for 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 my customers was that they've got to be supportable, they've got to be maintainable, and they've got to have all of the the support process and everything wrapped around them for them to work properly in an organization. So the organization gets the availability because otherwise you can build these incredible te- technological edifices. And them just fall to bits and be really brittle because there's no process around them that makes any sense. So it comes back to the pragmatism again. Yeah. So 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 some of our engagements are more consultative, and in a lot of cases, you know, will will be we we won't necessarily do it, but we'll indicate the need for some operational readiness. And um, because if you're doing network transformation, you could be moving away from a um uh you know a set of devices that are all very command line driven to something um something new and, and SDN based and and that has that has a lot of imp- um, operational impact like you say on on change but also on sort of um also on skills speed the visibility that you have of the network um uh and 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 also how you do you know when it comes to when how you do your procurement as as, as well because yeah because you need to you there's an opportunity to look at all of your contracts and yeah. and circuits now that's, that's a really good point that that you know and that's the thing isn't it that, that the network is foundational in it but it has so many implications uh for for so many other areas so uh, yeah no it's a, it's a it's a very good point um mate i've got a sneaking suspicion we could just go on and on forever with these mm-hmm. things but uh, I, I, any sort of any closing thoughts at all that uh, you might want to share um i i think only the you know the areas that we're we're, we're really starting to look at now are, are cloud networking you know sdn has has always been there both wan and, and data center um and um and, and just sort of uh skills you know the uh, and the continual development of those um I, I do think um uh but but understanding requirements as well and having that yeah. long-term view of, of what you want the network to look like um two three four years out i think is really important and 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 um, you're know, plotting a route to get there. Yeah, it, stri- it strikes me that 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 long term view is is always going to be mm. super important from the network design perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Listen, thank you very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Are you? Um, do you have any details that p- people could get hold of? You know, let me do that bit again. Hang on a second. Mm. Really appreciate your time, Stephen. Thank you for joining me. Um, how can people get hold of you if you want to talk more about uh, about some of the topics you've talked about today? So uh, I guess probably the social media that I use the most is LinkedIn. Um, I'm not much of a sort of a, a, a Twitter person um, or X person. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, and uh, or come visit us at our um, sort of website, which is just um, starfishlabs.io. Um, because you know we're a, a very network focused. Um, organization so always happy to to share uh some of our experiences and talk with um with with other engineers and and, and architects but yeah find me on linkedin search for stephen hampton 
Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. And uh, thank you for those listening. Uh, there'll be another new episode next month. Until then, happy networking. <laughs>